Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. One-of-a-kind comedian Gilbert Gottfried sadly died today at the age of 67. I just spoke with him in November when he played the State Theater in Falls Church, Virginia, cracking me up by improvising when a fire alarm went off during the interview. Rest in peace, Mr. Gottfried. Hey, Gilbert Gottfried, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Oh, thank you. Is this the end of the interview? Yeah, it's actually the beginning of the interview. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you can't just fast forward to the end, sir. Yeah. Yeah, well, one day they'll invent something. <laughs> what can we expect from the show? I mean, um, where are you in terms of um, getting back out after after COVID? Uh, it's, it's very weird. Well, especially the first few times I did it. And it's like... I, I found myself on stage going, this is what I do for a living. It's like I'm standing here uh, saying stuff and people uh, make sounds. And if they make sounds, it means it's good. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's been, uh, now I'm getting back to normal. Uh, but boy, the first couple of times it was like, uh, I'd be on stage thinking, I know I have more material than this. So this bit had a funny line right in the middle here. I can't think of. (laughs) Well, how did you, how did you spend the, you know, the last 18, 19 months, you know, before you got back out on the road, like I want to know how Gilbert Gottfried, you know, what was it like being in his house and where, where is it? New York, I guess. Uh, Yeah. And it was like, well, it, it was, very odd because I found uh, the kind of life I lead that uh, the pandemic didn't make it that much different. I would sit on the couch and watch TV, which I would normally do anyway. So uh, yeah, it wasn't that much. I wasn't going to any uh, Hollywood parties that, that I was missing or something. So you just stayed home and watched TV, so it wasn't much different. In fact, there was more streaming content, so it got better in certain ways. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, All right, cool. Well, all right, well, we're glad you're back out there, you know, touring, doing live in-person shows again. So if our listeners show up, what sort of, I definitely don't want you to ruin any punchlines or do any spoilers, but uh, how can we talk broadly? Like, what sort of topics do you deal with in this particular Uh, Well, uh, what I... Uh, what people can expect when they come see me is to be sitting there for like uh, five, 10 minutes and then turn to each other and go, whose idea was it to see Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> and then they can blame each other. For who, who uh, yes, yes. The they can argue on the way out. 
<laughs> well, hopefully they enjoy it while they're in there, at least. Um, well, you know, whenever I have someone famous like yourself on, I love hearing sort of your journey. So um, I know you were, you know, you were you were born in um, in Brooklyn. Um, what sort of comedians did you like growing up? Did you have any, you know, of, of the legends, you know, albums or anything like that? Uh, I never there was something I've heard comedy albums. I never owned one. And there was something always depressing about comedy albums. I don't know what it was, but that always uh, had that effect on me. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, growing up, there were still the old guys around, like, you know, Jack Benny, George Burns, Groucho. And so that, those I would watch and, uh, you know, Jerry Lewis, uh, and then the new comics coming along. And uh, yeah, so I, I used to get a little of everything in those days. Yeah, so you were expo- You grew up watching all the legends on t- on TV, man. The the people you listed are are just titans of of comedy. Um, well, cool. So, when did you actually, you know, decide to try to to start doing it yourself? I mean, I guess what you were like, what, fifteen years old? Yes, yeah, I was. Um, I was getting interested in watching. Uh, you know, I I would start watching like actors and movies, and I would start doing imitations of them. And I decided I wanted to be in show business. And um, my my sister, a friend of hers, told her that there's some club in Manhattan uh, that you go there, you write your name down in the book, and you wait, and then they call your name when they get to it. And I, I really should know the name of that place, but I don't. I don't remember the name of it. And uh, so I traveled up there uh, from Brooklyn to Manhattan and uh, and I went up on stage and I, I did mainly mainly imitations in those days. It was kind of like Rich Little or Frank Gorshin, uh, that kind of, you know, the kind of impressionist you don't see on TV nowadays. Yes, they're all in Vegas. But it was basically no different than the usual uh, Im- impressionist you'd see. Like, well, if uh, if your waiter was Cary Grant, it might go something like this. And so it wasn't that far from that. But yeah, I was 15 years old. Wow, that's wild. And then so then from there, I mean, how did you I mean, I guess because you're traveling into Manhattan. Um, how did you hook up with with SNL? Uh, well, I, I was uh, working a long time in the clubs where like the big thing in the clubs was, oh, you know, just getting on stage. And uh, it was a big thrill uh, that you found a new place that would put you on stage without paying you a dime. And um, but then, you know, so I uh uh, eventually, it's just they were having auditions for Saturday Night Live, and they saw me, I think it was at Catch Rising Star, and uh, then they asked me to come in, and they had more auditions on the show, and uh, I mean, uh, not on the show, on in their offices, and the, the funny thing is uh, how, how uh, psychotic I am. <laughs> um, 
everybody else was talking about how, oh God, they were so scared going there and and uh, and nervous and anxious and and they hated everybody else in the room because they were competing. And the weird thing about me, I, I just, um, I, I, it wasn't bravery, it was nuttiness. I went in there and I, I really didn't care for some reason. And uh, then when I got the show, I, I wasn't thrilled that I got the show. And when they fired me, I wasn't upset when they fired me. And, um, but, and it was the worst time to be on Saturday Night Live because the producer and original cast had left. And back then it would be like, if in the middle of Beatlemania, uh, you said, well, we're having four, four new guys and they'll be the Beatles. Or if when Friends was a hit show, if you recast it, and expected people not to notice. But yes, it was a horrible time to be on. People were attacking the show before it even aired. Like, like this is sacrilege continuing without the original cast. So yeah, it was sort of that transitional period before, I mean, I guess what Eddie Murphy sort of brought it back, but yeah, you're right. There was that weird transitional phase once the old in-between cast there. So yeah, yeah it, it was, it, it's kind of like, you don't want to be the replacement. You want to be the replacement of the replacement because the replacement is, is always the worst one to be. Right. But unless then unless you're Tom Brady. Rid- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that replacement worked out pretty well, but that usually doesn't happen. You're right. It's no one wants to be in the shadow. You need to be in the shadow of the shadow to find the light again. <laughs> yes, because then when you're in the shadow of the shadow, yeah, people are going, well, at least they're not as bad as that last one. Yeah, he's better than the last guy. <laughs> well, either way, I mean, it's funny if you if you look back at some of those old SNL sketches you were in and some of your early stand-up, how could we say maybe you hadn't quite honed the exact persona that we expected Gilbert Godfrey? Your let's say your voice got a little screechier, your eyes squinted <laughs> a little more, you got a little more intentionally obnoxious in the way you did it. How did you <laughs> I don't want to, you know, look at the man behind the curtain kind of a thing. And I don't want to spoil the magic, but explain how you crafted the persona. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of think that would be a good blurb on the poster when I'm appearing. In- intentionally obnoxious, New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> you can use that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, are, are you able to share with our listeners how you sort of stumbled into that? Because I, well, I was interviewing Lewis Black a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying about how it took him almost like you know, he was probably in his 40s before he realized that, oh, I'm, I got to do the intentionally angry thing. That's his shtick. But, you know, how did you sort of come up with your persona? It, it was weird um, because it's kind of when people ask me that, it, you know, because it just kind of happened. I would go on stage more and more and more. And then after a while, you find yourself like that's your delivery. Right. And um, it, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of like going up to somebody walking down the street and say, hey, you know that way you move your arms when you're walking? <laughs> where did that come from? 
it's like, yeah, it's just like your regular day-to-day personality. You know, you don't have any way of saying, well, it came from, uh, you know, my uncle so-and-so. Right. Uh, Yeah. Well, and if you don't move your arms when you're walking, you're a Seinfeld character. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great episode. But yeah, you're right. Even Jerry has the way he talks. And you, you know, you have the way you talk. It's just, it becomes you. I mean, and now you're, I mean, here we are talking right now. And it literally, it's, I'm sure it's just sort of how, how it comes out nowadays, whenever you're doing the public, public uh, forum. Um, well, cool. So, you know, SNL was brief, but, you know, at least gave you some exposure and your standup was was really rocking and rolling. And you started you started landing roles in, in some movies and stuff. So tell me about working with uh, your former castmate, Eddie, Eddie Murphy on Beverly Hills Cop 2. You were a, a standout as Sidney Bernstein. <laughs> yeah, that that doing that scene, I, I wish they had filmed the entire thing of us doing take after take because we kept improvising you know the original scene was uh you know you we have these traffic tickets and he says is there some way we can avoid this unpleasantry and he gives him some money and we just kind of played with it each time each time we did a totally different take and I remember uh, Eddie and I just laughing and having fun. And uh, then I remember too, it's like before the movie came out, someone from Paramount called me and said, I just wanna be the first one to congratulate you on this scene. And then I ran into Paul Reiser at a club and he said, everybody's talking about your scene. and. So when it came out, it, it was uh, amazing. Everybody, all the critics were uh, mentioning my uh, my scene with Eddie, and it was so that that was a a great time. Oh yeah, well, it, I mean, it, it was definitely a standout uh, role in a in a sequel to. I mean, it was probably the top grossing comedy ever at that point, the first one. So that was a big big move for you. And then I know, I guess maybe more family audiences will remember you in in the Problem Child movies. Any good memories of working with uh, you know um, John Ritter? Rest in peace. Yeah, uh, John. John was uh, basically what he was on camera. He uh, a nice guy, very nice guy, and. What I remember uh, best is um, nobody thought Problem Child was going to be anything. Uh, you know, most people thought, oh, this is, you know, it's this, it'll come out maybe and it'll bomb. And um, I remember when I was through with my shooting on the film, I, I went to John's trailer and I said, uh, well, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. Uh, so I was nice working with you. And he was like, he seemed like uncomfortable and apologetic, like, oh, well, you know the way it is. Yeah, they give you something, you do it, you hope for the best. And I, because he didn't think it would. Be, and then it came out and it surprised everyone. It was like a monster hit. And uh, yeah, and then I I, I ran into him. Uh, oh no! Then then I saw him again uh, for Problem Child too. Yeah, who would have known there would have been a, a second one after that? That was like a surprise hit. And man, now that I'm thinking about it, Problem Child came out in 1990, the same year as 
Home Alone, and I guess they they redid like a Dennis the Menace shortly after. What was it with movies and like raunchy Henri kids? That was like the thing apparently in 1990. Yeah, at any given time period, you look at movies. Yeah, that movie, yeah, was, you know, a lot of people obviously confuse it. So they'll come up to me and say, oh, you know, I, I loved you in Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> and and I, I loved you in... Uh... Wait. May I have your attention, please? We have an alarm going off. I'm I I'm I'm in a hotel and and we just got a warning of a fire. I can I can but, hear it. You know what? I'm not even cut, I'm not even cutting that out. That's hilarious. Maybe it's no, the problem that, child probably set a fire. <laughs> problem child pulled the alarm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was getting tired of talking to you, so I ran out in the hallway and pulled a fire alarm. Uh, no, there's so I guess there's a fire here, but we can still continue. And yeah, it's probably the last thing you'd want to do is talk to us while going up in flames. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, at least this will be a valuable interview if I'm burned alive. Oh, you're burn, You're bringing the house down, literally. Yeah. <laughs> you're on fire, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man either that or our both our careers are going up in flames at the moment but we can't we can't stomach any more puns <laughs> um well cool you know speaking of the kids movies though i gotta ask you before we run about your iconic iconic disney role as the parrot uh iago with uh you know sitting on the shoulder of the evil villain jafar in aladdin Man, that is just that that movie's gonna last forever. Um, Robin Williams was so hilarious. I mean, just talk about how much of an honor it is that you're you know you're frozen in time in a Disney movie that kids are gonna watch forever with Robin Williams. Yeah, it's like um, I wish I could last forever and the movie would die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and well, any memories of going into you know the recording booth and and doing that that parrot roll or or do you still have kids coming up? I'm sure and say you're Iago. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's amazing to think I was once actually in a quality production. You know, <laughs> it's like, um, but I, I and and it's funny, you know, when people talk about Aladdin, I don't know how many times I've seen articles and hear people talking saying, "Oh, and Gilbert and Robin got in that sound booth together. That was craziness. It was great." And uh, during the making of Aladdin, I didn't run into Robin once. <laughs> so what are they all writing about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, those but, things are always pieced together uh, separately, I guess. But I'm sure it was still fun, you know, getting to voice uh, an animated character. Uh, absolutely. It was a lot of fun to do. And um yeah, and, and then they had a, an Aladdin TV series afterwards, and that was fun. And yeah, just to be attached to, you know, a you know, classic Disney cartoon is uh, pretty amazing. It's but I and what Robin, though I I I know I knew him from the clubs. We would, you know, he would pop into all the same clubs I would be going to. And uh, he, I, a couple of times, he even invited me on stage with him to just play around, which was, uh, you know, 
also exigor- uh, invigorating and exhausting at the same time. <laughs> I mean, a, a comedic genius. I mean, I don't. Has anyone's mind moved faster than Mr. Robin Williams? Rest in peace, man. That guy was like a cosmic and, gift. To oh, me. and I remember something about the thing I remember best. Oh, we got the alarm again. <laughs> Are you trying to get out of the interview again? <laughs> You're always going to remember this interview as the one where the alarm kept going off. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if that's the siren or some woman screaming for help. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the Zoom the Zoom time limit saying abort, abort. <laughs> we'll somehow find a way to uh, find usable sound bites in between the alarms. I'll do my best. <laughs> I think you should definitely keep the alarm. I'm definitely keeping it in. Definitely. Yeah. I I think it's the best part of the it really is. <laughs> Speaking of I, intent intentionally obnoxious, that damn alarm. <laughs> I I wish I could take credit um, for coming up with the idea of a fire alarm in the middle of everything that you can add you honestly you could that could be a whole stand-up bit right there (laughs) pull pull the alarm in the middle of stage oh my god Uh, well do i mean do you do you have a it's what were we even saying before oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) this interview is on fire um you know oh here (laughs) there it goes again (laughs) <laughs> people say iago and they that's, think that's that's iago from the movie that's how <laughs> that's him it doesn't sound much different most people think shakespeare when they think iago but honestly a whole new generation uh millennials and up probably think of you so that's that's yes. wild you, you've dethroned shakespeare do you have a favorite iago line uh oh god there are a bunch of them um and and that was that was what was fun with Aladdin too is that they let me play around with it, you know I didn't have to stick directly to the script, and uh, every now and then they'd stop me and go you know this is a family movie, and um, uh, but I I remember oh there there was oh there was one part I remember uh, they getting a complaint from some someone's always complaining uh there was one part where i said what the and uh, some woman complained to disney saying uh although he didn't say the whole sentence we knew what word was coming up afterwards <laughs> and we're very offended but kids had no idea you know no and oh, and uh, during the series, there's one part where a tiger is chasing us, and uh, my character goes, "Oh, he's gonna eat us like kitty chow," and some woman complained, and they actually the TV show actually had me redo it to sound clearer, because one woman complained that she was watching the Aladdin. TV series with a family and <laughs> you can't make this up this is priceless it, it came right as you were about to explain what you said that's, in the show yeah, that's, and it cut. That's, that's what the woman said 
<laughs> she didn't use any words. She a siren came out of her mouth. <laughs> You'll never believe what she said. She opened her mouth and went, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how angry she was. Oh, my that, God. She started to talk. She said, <laughs> I want to complain about I'm crying over here. My tears could put out the fire. Oh, so what? What did she think that you had said in the show? I feel like the actual story can't live up to the fire alarm. It can't. It can't. But you got. You got. You got to say it is. It's like you and SNL. This story is in the shadow of the fire alarm. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. This is the replacement to the actual story, but um, all right. What the hell did the damn woman say? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, she said, Dear Disney. Uh, <laughs> oh, there. There. <laughs> oh, my God. I am leaving every second of this in. I apologize. Oh, absolutely. For listening in, in, the, in the full. This no. This is funnier than anything I've come up with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I am I'm going to use this uh in its entirety in, in, on a podcast for sure. I'm leaving that in there. Oh my god. So, so there you are. The woman writes to Disney. Oh, okay. <laughs> I better say it quick yeah. before the alarm comes on again. Before the voice of Walt Disney says, <laughs> I am not cutting a second of this. This is in real time gold. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm thinking. If if this interview had been done an hour earlier or later, it would have been like, you know, five minutes long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We would have heard what the woman complained to Disney, and then I would have said, all right, Gilbert Godfrey. Everybody. Maybe in the beginning of the interview, you were right when you said, is this the end of the interview? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um. Well, I mean, maybe we don't even know it. We maybe we don't even need to know what she was gonna say. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> what the woman said. <laughs> you know, maybe it's better without finding out, because it'll become it'll build up a legend <laughs> that, that in people's minds. They'll, this, they'll this is make like, up their own things, and people it'll be like urban legend. Yeah, exactly. Well, I heard, you know, I have inside information. <laughs> <laughs> what hotel is this? Where? What is going on? I need to know the details. <laughs> we're, we're evidently, I'm evidently in a burning building. <laughs> I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're not going down with this interview. So well, I was going to ask you about you doing the voice of the Affleck commercials, but um, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess you don't need insurance anymore. <laughs> do they do fire insurance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Affleck. 
I, I started to do some jokes they found offensive and they dropped me. <laughs> what were uh, the jokes about? I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was oh, it was a while ago. Uh, they, uh, you know, when when the tsunami was happening, you know, like every time some tragic event happens or something bad taste. I like to make jokes about it. It's just what I always do. That's common. And, 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 and exactly. And they found out, uh, well, I found out like about 90% of their business was Japan. Uh, so they, they fired me, got loads of free publicity out of firing me. And then um, they, they got a new guy to imitate my voice for less money, thus bringing uh, closure to a horrible tragedy. Well, one of the thing, I guess one other thing I want to ask you out before we run and wrap it back around to the comedy show at State Theater is um, I always looked forward to seeing you when you would appear on the Hollywood Squares. Whenever they would cut to your little square, um, it was it was hilarious. And I guess I mean, I guess you were really just conditioning us all of us for these Zoom windows. Right. It's like those Brady Bunch panels like the Hollywood Squares, because we all. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it was like I remember growing up, I would watch Hollywood Squares, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Paul Lynn, John Davidson. Uh, oh, Charlie Weaver was one of the people who was on there. And um, and I remember I'd watch it and it was funny and I'd laugh, but I I remember always thinking, even as a kid, like, oh, Hollywood Squares is something when you're at the bottom of your career, <laughs> you do Hollywood Squares. Like there's something pathetic about being on this show. And then... Uh, I guess there is a God and he was listening and, uh, and they called me and then they would call me a lot. And uh, Hollywood Squares was a fun show to do. Definitely was. Yeah, we, we look forward to seeing you on there. Well, we could talk all day. I'm sure, <laughs> as <laughs> sure you're wrapping up before the next part. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to ask you about Krang and the Ninja Turtles. I mean, there could be all day, but there's, somehow that seems less important than you getting out of a burning building. <laughs> I appreciate you sticking with us as long as you did and putting your life on the line okay. here. I appreciate it. Well, this will be, uh, you know, release this after I'm dead, <laughs> which, which will be in 15 minutes from now. Well, what would you like your last words to be then before you go up in flames? <laughs> yeah, uh, the last words will be. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey coming to the State Theater on Friday, November 12th. Get your tickets now before he, <laughs> before he burns up alive. So. Oh man, thank you so much for joining us. I'm leaving all, I'm leaving all that in there. That's one of the funniest interviews I've oh, ever absolutely. had. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Now go, you know, go go splash some water or get a fire extinguisher. Get the hell out of the building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he survived COVID but died in the fire. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I got the vaccine and a fire killed me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay. I'll see you out on the fire escape, man. All right. Thanks for doing this. I'll talk oh, to you Thank later. you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.